It's the Breaking Barriers Podcast, brought to you by Say Yes Buffalo, the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable, and the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo. Here's your host, Daniel Robertson. I know you're going to dig this. Welcome to the Breaking Barriers Podcast. My name is Daniel Robertson. I am your host, and uh, this week is a very special week because this is BMOC graduation weekend. Uh, we are celebrating the young men on, on our Breaking Barriers Youth Leadership Council as they have uh, committed to one year of service on our council uh, with um, policy work and uh, changing narrative and just building up their leadership leadership skills. Uh, tonight, I have the, the pleasure and honor of being with a phenomenal young man from uh, Brooklyn, New York, uh, who also works uh, for the uh, Color of Change organization. His name is Rashid Shabazz. And... Um, Without further ado, I'd like Rashid to just kind of uh, hop on. And Rashid, can you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, thanks. First of all, I want to just say I'm really honored to be on this podcast. I think it's groundbreaking and definitely breaking barriers. Uh, so, Daniel, thank you for having me. Thank you to the whole crew. Um, as you said, you know, my name is Rashid Shabazz. I'm Chief Marketing Storytelling Officer with Color of Change, which is the largest online racial justice organization in the country. And every day we launch winning campaigns and petitions on behalf of black people and the issues and our allies that we care dearly about, um, touching on issues from criminal justice reform, to uh, what I'm here tonight and what I'm here this weekend around is changing the narrative uh, around our community and our young men of color. Um, but that's what I'm here to, to do, and um, I work at Color Change, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So, Rashid, I'm definitely ex- excited to have you on the podcast, uh, excited to have you back here in Buffalo yet again. Uh, you were here last weekend just to kind of experience what it's like to be in our Breaking Barriers space on Saturdays. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience was like? Yeah, and I, I, it was, you know, not to devour too much because, like I said, I know there's a code. Um, but I, I will say that I, I came to experience first on firsthand what you all were doing here. I heard heard a lot, uh, and I heard heard a lot from those who were working the community, the community foundation, and I wanted to see what the young men were up to themselves. And what I saw was an environment that was affirming, uh, environment that allowed space for them to be heard an environment um, that touched on the issues of how they're represented both in the media and broader conversations. And I heard um, a sense of like respect for themselves and respect for the environment. And and also um, because they're on the um, about to graduate, um, I was able to witness and why it came up. I was able to witness the heart that you put into it, what Tommy's put into it and the sincerity that all of you have poured in to allow for these young men to be um, successful and hopefully have a brighter future um, that y'all have given a pathway towards. So uh, I came for that reason, and, I, and I, everything I had come to see and, and witness, um, you know, I left fulfilled and, and talk, told everyone I know about it, to be honest. I told my wife, and people were actually surprised. They're like, wow, you went up there just to listen? <laughs> and I said, well, that's my spirit, man. I don't, I don't like to drop it. I don't believe in parachute leaders. Um, and I, I, I think there's leadership where people are from. So whenever people invite me, um, you know, even that you all asked me to be a speaker tomorrow. Um, I know there's a thousand other people y'all could have asked. So I, I just feel real honored. So the least I can do is take a 50 minute flight and sit down with young brothers. Um, it did more for me than probably them. 
I, and I, I, I appreciate those comments, Rashid. Uh, I definitely appreciated having you in the space last week. And as you said, uh, a lot of times when you ask speakers to come in or individuals to come in to speak to uh, young people or adults or just to kind of facilitate a training, they literally come for that one day. Uh, fly in, fly right out, and you actually came last weekend. You came back this weekend, and and tonight you uh, provided uh, the the elders and the adults within our community and the young people with uh, a, a taste of what it takes to actually uh, effectively produce a narrative for people of color to kind of change mindsets. So, can you just talk about, um, just share uh, some of the information that you kind of covered with with the with the group tonight? Yeah, what I wanted to do was um, share about this idea of what we call narrative change. And, and to be real honest, at Color Change, we actually like to call it narrative power. And what we mean by narrative change in general is this concept that uh, we're creating an ecosystem around how to shift the stories um, that have been collectively held for so long about our community. And we, when we say narrative power, it means that we actually are creating an infrastructure um, that is that's needed. That's that means holding accountable the media that's there, but it also means, as one of the young people said today, um, building the table ourselves. What you all are doing with this podcast, it means creating our own media. It also means um, providing spaces for people to learn the skills that are needed to be able to be media makers, but also na- narrative change makers as well. And so that means like both training, research. Um, it's not just one thing. It's all those things that go into narrative change and narrative power, uh, because we want our community to be empowered to create the change that's needed. Uh, so what we did tonight, what I was trying to um, share, was just kind of like some steps that one can take to start understanding narrative. I showed a couple of videos, um, one that was um, developed by the Maynard Institute. Um, as I shared earlier, I used to be with the Open Society Foundations. I was able to fund a number of initiatives, and there were not, when I started as a program officer, when I looked for research on narrative change or what we used to say as um, communications around boys and men of color, and particularly black men and boys, I found nothing as a program officer. There was one. There were two books that I could reference. One was by Thelma Golden uh, from the Studio Museum of Harlem. She wrote a book called Black Men, and it was about art and black men. Um, and she talks about the way in which black men were being represented in the media and in the arts. And the other book was by Robert Edmund, uh, which was like um, the... Uh, black mind and the white uh, black mind the black image in the white mind and it tells the story and it's a a book that details in the ways in which the media misrepresents black people constantly those are only two things and so uh, yeah all the time and so what i what i started to do was um fund projects to create research. So Opportunity Agenda, you can go online, opportunityagenda.org. They have a whole um, category of research for black boys now um, that's being used for the whole field. Um, and they did some, looked at polling and looked at how people feel about black boys in the nation. Um, and then we funded the Maynard Institute. And the video I showed tonight was um, by Dory Maynard, who's no longer with us. But she um, was she used the same presentation. She actually did the research, and I'm not sure how she found this clip that shows uh, the media interviewing young black boy, um, and they edited out the fact that in, in, the, in the news story that ran, it shows him saying that he wants to grow up, and when he grows up, he's going to have a gun 
to protect himself and, and protect his community. And he didn't say it in that way, but that's what he was expressing. But if you watch the full clip that wasn't in the news story, he actually said he wanted to grow up to be a police officer and that's and he would get a gun and but he would do it through being a police officer, which is two different frames. And so mm-hmm. what I wanted to get into this evening was creating why it's so important to engage narrative. Because if someone else tells your story, um, as they always say, like the hunter will always have a different story than the prey, right? Those who are hunted. And so um, the prey is going to have one story. Um, As someone said, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Um, And so tonight uh, I wanted to present why it's so important to have narrative. You know, when I was growing up, I actually didn't start talking until I was four. And so when I think about communication is my experience, um, a lot of people used to think, oh, he's dumb. Um, he don't, he's not going to amount to anything. And so for me to actually talk about um, narrative, <laughs> it's actually, narrative. It's, it's my narrative, narrative in itself, yeah. is that, you know, I didn't really communicate. Um, as some of the young men spoke tonight, as you provided a platform for them to learn to not to be shy, not to express themselves. But I say all that to say that, like, we're all on the path for a reason. We're all on this journey for a reason. And for me, narrative and communications has been the path that I've been on uh, my entire life. And so um, I really believe it's one of the keys to um, addressing equity, um, inequality in our society, and bringing equity into our society is that um, we see ourselves and see each other. And we, I really believe black people are the heart of that. Um, and young men of color, I think, is core as well. We are, especially our young black boys. Uh, one of one of the uh, things Tommy and I always talk about it in regards to our narrative change, our narrative power efforts here in Buffalo is that yes, we want to kind of we we want to try to change the perceptions of society, but at the same time, I think it's more we think it's more important to change to start to start to change those mindsets of, of those young men. If they start to see themselves differently, start to think differently, they'll act differently, behave differently, and 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 that's what we want to see. We want to see change in our young men, and we don't want to see the uh we don't want them to feed into the narrative that is put out there about them uh, put out uh, about them um Rashid, i've i saw you last week i heard you last week i heard the passion in, in your voice and, and some of the comments that you made i saw it on full display tonight as you were uh facilitating the training and I, uh, that's your niche it seems like that's what you do um my question is where where did that come from how did you even arrive at color of change and doing the work that you're doing now? No, that's that's a great, great question. And I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I always say that I was I was very fortunate to have uh, both my parents. I do still have both my parents. Um, they're not together uh, right now, but, you know, there's great friends. Um, I have my father in my life, and he always was a role model to me. You know, a lot of, a lot of young men always say they didn't have a father. Um, but I have to say I did have one and, you know, he's, he's the first model I had in my life and he was a good model. Um, he, he worked inside, uh, the prisons at times going inside to talk to young brothers. And so that was a representation for me and he was politically conscious and, you know, he was, he was part of nation Islam. So I experienced that. And then, uh, but I also had the church, so I always joke that I'm a little Martin and a little Malcolm, you know. In, <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, you know, depending on the day, there's love and then there's power. And so, um, you know, having both um, grown up in both environments and, and just 
seeing so much, um, it's almost hard to turn a blind eye to the issues that happen in our society. You know, some people, I never was that person. If I saw an issue, you know, even when I was growing up, the kids being bullied on the on the bus, even though I was the smallest, I'm still the one going to be like, why are you doing that? Why you, why you, know? you picking on <laughs> yeah. why, why you bothering them, you know, <laughs> knowing I'm about to get beat up myself. Um, but We're going down together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm going down. Maybe the other one's no more. He, he, he ducking out. Um, but, you know, I was always the one that I just hate seeing injustice, you know, um, and 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 just to the whole point. So I was fortunate. I mean, I'll say three things that led to where I was. I was thinking, you know, my father, my parents, my mother, uh, who, who loved me dearly and have supported me, uh, my brothers, my sisters, my family. I have a strong family network um, with all families' challenges, um, but I've been very blessed and fortunate. Um, the second thing is that um, the cultural environment I grew up in, you know, believing that black people can do anything. I never, you know, despite the media stories, despite everything that's out there, I really do believe the fact that I was told that I could be anything I could be, that black people were gods and black people could do all these things, somehow seeped into me. And so when I saw things, I never thought anybody was better than me. Um, even when I couldn't talk or even when I didn't do things, I always thought that I was a genius just by the fact that I know black people are geniuses. And so, um, yes, we are, know, man. You know, and I just, I just feel that, you know, I just see it. I see it in terms of how we produce our music, how we create things, how we build things in all industries. You know, you can look across industries, um, you know, Charles Drew and the blood transfer fusion, you know, those type of things. I grew up, you know, I think it's a different period. You know, I grew up in this, uh, I'm, I'm 44, just a name myself man you know? get out of here i'm 44 i thought we was on the same age <laughs> <but she. laughs> i'm 44 man i've been doing this for over 20 years and um my my family we i grew up in a period where everyone had like that his, historical black novel in their house <laughs> where it was like um you know um garrett built the light um the stopping light the stoplight and um charles drew um, did the blood transfusion and you grew uh, up during William, a good time period yeah William Hill did the blood the heart the first heart trans um you know transplant and so um those were like the things that I grew up around and so just a couple of things I had great mentors uh, so the program that you're in is, is a great example that I had great mentors um and then also just uh right place right time education um great uh, education opportunities and then the last thing i would say is that um you know i've been fortunate i was in philanthropy and worked hard in communications and those things allowed me to actually uh move things forward so uh my path is like you know where i got here today was like i was part of campaign for black male achievement and then the open society foundations and those that that foundation allowed me to expand what i understood about narrative and black men and boys Rashid, I, I I thank you. I can't thank you enough for sharing just a little a little insight about you and, and your your past and your past and how you um, got into the point that of, of where you are.